at uh, the next part of Mark, the Gospel according to Mark, and we're in chapter 5 now. So we're looking at the first 20 verses of Mark 5. Just again for context, um, where we left off uh, in verse 4, sorry, chapter 4, verse 21, when the Lord Jesus said to them, um, sorry, I've misread that, (coughs) verse 35, that in the evening, when the evening came, the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. This was of course after he had been teaching the the disciples in the north west of Galilee and uh, he made this request he liked to his disciples let's go over to the other side which is to go over to the east of Galilee the east bank and uh, we heard from Stuart a few weeks ago about the the Lord Jesus calming the storm this terrible storm that uh, we read about at the end of chapter 4. And now we come to the beginning of chapter 5. So let's just read that together. (coughs) They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus? son of the most high God. Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this to the town and countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. When the people began to plead with Jesus (coughs) to leave the region, as Jesus was getting into the boat, The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but he said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people 
were amazed. It's quite a, a, a scene, isn't it? I mean, this is one of the many miracles that the Lord Jesus has done, which is sometimes very hard to get a complete picture because we're not told everything about what went on all around it. But I think the setup here is very clear of the power of the Son of God coming up against the power of Satan. It's always being set up. When the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, surely, I imagine, the reason was he knew what he was going to encounter. It's interesting, too, that the, the account in Matthew refers to two men. Uh, this account is one man, and the account in Luke is one man. Um, I don't know fully why that might be. Uh, maybe there was another man that was maybe not so prominent, and therefore the Mark and Luke just refer to the one. Um, it's one of these anomalies in scriptures you sometimes get where um, you wonder why there is a, di a discrepancy. But we trust in the Lord in these things, and we think, well, we're here, we're just going to deal with one man. There might have been another one. There might have been others. But, uh, of course, we're dealing with something that is so clearly the power of Satan. And the Lord Jesus just knew where this power was. This area, I believe, was a non-Jewish area. We'll come to that a little bit later. I think partly because of the pigs. <laughs> uh, obviously, eating swine, eating pigs was forbidden in the law. And so any devout Jews, uh, or any Jews even that weren't so devout, would have been very reluctant to be eating such animals. And so that area, which is, in today's terms, it's on the east coast of, of uh, Galilee with the uh, mountains behind it, um, the Golan Heights, it is often in the news, which is a sort of barrier nowadays between Israel and Syria. Uh, where there's been a lot of battles. So that, it's that area, but we believe, from what I've read about it, it was mainly uh, uh, the Romans had taken that particular area and it weren't, we believe there wasn't that many Jews, if any, that lived there. It was mainly the an area that was um, kept <laughs> uh, for the Romans and it was uh, under their control, mainly. <laughs> Which might, again, as I say, explain why the, there were two thousand, a herd of 2,000, which is a lot of animals. Anyway, we see this picture. It's like a, a man who is so demon-possessed, a man who is so strong that physically that they couldn't bind him, they couldn't control him. And I think it's, it's almost as if Satan is showing... Uh, his power. When the Lord Jesus asked his name and he said, Legion, because we are many. Um, Legion doesn't necessarily tell us how many there were. There was 2,000 two pigs and the, the evil spirits went into the pigs. So you could argue maybe there was 2,000 uh, evil spirits. 
But anyway, legion sometimes refers to 500 in military terms uh, in the Roman Empire, but uh, the Roman army. But it's not conclusive. It certainly tells us it means many. And so this poor man had somehow got himself in a position where he was um, had evil spirits living within him and he had no control over his actions. It's difficult to relate to that today. Um, there, there are some poor people who are, are uh, disturbed in such a way that they seem to be uncontrollable. Um, we are not in a position to determine where there's evil spirits and where there's just what medical people would maybe determine, determine there's some uh, medical reasons for uh, the, the, the difficulties that some people have. But what the scriptures clearly teach is that Satan does indwell people. And it's something I think that uh, we have to be alert to. And the Lord Jesus knew this. And the Lord Jesus was coming here to confront. It was a, the Lord Jesus as the strong man. Um, Stuart was telling us a few weeks ago about the storm that came up, that it was almost as if it's the power of Satan there trying to prevent this strong man in the Son of God coming to confront him. And of course, as we heard, the Lord just spoke and the storm obeyed. It obeyed, maybe because that storm had been brought up by Satan. And the Lord spoke, and so it did not deter his, um, his actions, his, uh, his plan. But as soon as he arrived, we get the picture of this man recognised him from afar off. One of the things I think it's um, worth thinking about, of course, is that here is a man indwelt by Satan, indwelt by evil spirits that are controlling him. And he saw the Lord from afar off. But we're really maybe dealing with the man himself and Satan. And the two are at war together. There's almost a sense in this story about the man wanting help. He recognises Jesus. How would that man have recognised Jesus? Maybe he would have heard about him. I don't know. But the, the thing that's very prominent in this discourse is that Satan knew him. Satan was well aware who he was and even uh, made the comment the son of the most high God, the son of the only God. Satan knows there's only one God. It's mankind that has a problem. <laughs> it's mankind that has difficulty with having numerous gods and worshipping gods. Satan doesn't. Satan hates God, but he knows there's only one. And uh, he causes the disruption and the confusion in this world that where men try to make out either that they believe in other gods or it just comes down to we don't believe in any god and we'll just um, use our time and effort in 
particular areas that become our gods because that's where we spend our time. But Satan is not stupid. Only a fool says there is no God and Satan is no fool. He knows very well. So this picture of the Lord coming off the boat and the man running to him is almost pathetic. But it's also a picture of the great need in the man and also the confrontation with Satan. The man was strong. He was ungovernable. Uh, he was lawless. They tried to chain him. They tried to bind him. It's a picture of Satan. He cannot be controlled by men. We delude ourselves if we think we can control Satan. And by that I mean that when there is sin in our lives that we think, well, little ones uh, are okay. We can control them. We can control certain things that we give to Satan. It's very, very dangerous because in this picture of this man, however, we've got no idea how these evil spirits entered him, what he had been doing or how he had invited them in or however it had happened. We see the end result, that the man is beside himself, that it says that day and night he was tormenting himself. It's absolutely horrendous to think of this man that who is just unable to even sleep properly, who is just tormented constantly. Right. We're really wanting to commit suicide, probably. He's cutting himself. He's injuring people. He cannot control himself. And there, when he sees the Lord, it's almost in this pathetic picture, I need help. Here's the man that can give me it. And he runs to him, and it says that he worshipped him. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder, really, whether... <clears throat> when we try to relate this to today, although this type of person in that condition would be very difficult for us to be, uh, if you like, uh, analysing and being able to identify uh, what help would be needed. There, there were, if you remember a, a story in Acts chapter 7, Sorry, Acts chapter 19, my apologies. Acts chapter 19, verses 11 to 20. There were the seven sons of a priest called Seva, who had seen the apostles um, calling out evil spirits from people. And they thought they'd do the same. You remember the story? Read it if you haven't read it before. As I say, it's in... It's in Acts 19, 11 to 20. And it, the story tells that these seven sons who thought they had the power, they called out the evil spirits and people who were demon-possessed, and the, the demons did not recognize them. He <laughs> said, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but I don't know who you are. And so they didn't come out, or they, they came out and entered them and caused absolute havoc. 
it just really, the reason I'm just mentioning this is that the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, whom he had given in, uh, to the apostles with that ability to cast out evil demons, it's only in his name and it's only in his power. And it's not something that's given us. So it's not something that we should be looking to do. But it's something that we should be asking the Lord Jesus to do because he can do it. And so, again, just coming back to this um, seeing Jesus afar off and, his, and the worshipping is that you see the drawing power of the Lord Jesus. Sometimes we are guilty of not um, relying or trusting in the power of Christ. Sometimes, I don't know if you like me, some, you get an opportunity sometimes to speak to people and you hold back and you feel I'm not worthy or I've not got a good memory about quoting scripture or whatever reason you might want to give for not preaching the gospel or not showing forth the person of Christ when in fact it's all about him. Why, why should we worry? If we're given the opportunity, he'll give us the power. It's not our power. It's his. And so therefore, my encouragement to myself as I think about this and my encouragement to you is when you get the opportunity of speaking to somebody, you're not saying in such dire straits as this man, but anybody who need, you can see needs the saviour that he has the power he can still the storm and the waves the power of satan with his thousands of demons in a man it can the lord jesus power can call them out and they're frightened and they're terrified of him so why should we be terrified about confronting someone and to tell them about this man who died for us and who died for them and to know that in his power, whatever their circumstances, in sin, however deep in sin they are struggling, however, even if they do have an evil spirit within them, which we might not be able to know, to know or identify, we can still call on the Lord who does know to deal with it. You know, the devil, he spoke through the man. You know, when he said to, um, what do you want with me? <laughs> you see the conflict here. In one hand, you seem to see the picture of the need of the man worshipping and wanting help and just desperate to, for the Lord. And then you see Satan speaking through, what do you want with me? You know, leave us alone. We don't need you. difficult sometimes to, to, to see the contrast here, you know, that um, when Jesus said to him, you know, what is your name? Why did Jesus ask that? And what, why did he reply, legion? Was that his name? Surely that's Satan speaking, that we are many. It was a challenge to Jesus and saying, you know, what, do you, what have you got to do with us? Effectively, go away. We are many. 
almost out of a challenge, we're too powerful. We are so powerful. And it says, again, it's like the, the storm, and then this conflict, and then this challenge. And then I'm sure the disciples must have heard about this man. There were, certainly would have been warnings going out from the local people, be careful. This guy, he's dangerous. Um, nobody can control him. But here you're getting Satan understanding he's challenging uh, but there's a fear in Satan because he's come up against somebody who's far more powerful and he recognises it this next bit really was, is, is, can be confusing as to when the, when the demons, when Satan is saying well don't don't send us out of this place send us into the swine it's quite puzzling to try and work out why <laughs> why did that where information was why did they want to go into the pigs some commentaries I've read and it seems that there are many commentaries that say different things about this one of course is that the pigs were um, were an unclean animal and therefore that's where they should go. It's like unclean spirits should go into unclean animals. Um, that, that was their choice. But it also, it was as if these spirits know they are destined to a lost eternity. They are destined to the, the fiery pit because that's what scriptures teach. And they know that's where they're going to end up. But they did, were hanging on to whatever they could of what sort of life they had, they knew they were going to have to leave this man and they wanted somewhere else to something to prevent their going into the eternal judgment that was they know is coming to them. Satan knows the future. As I say, he's he's not an idiot. <laughs> he might he might hate God and he will fight against God, but he knows what's laid in front of him. He knows what the future that God has planned because he's an angelic being and he's been give, given that insight and that knowledge but it doesn't stop him continuing to fight Satan even recognises that there's one God and I think you know that one of the early teachings from the Israelites had from God reading Deuteronomy was that uh, there is only one God and that was what God always sort of put forward as teaching that there is uh, no other, you'll have no other God before me it's the most important teaching of the law that uh, you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and your neighbour is yourself but there's one God and a triune God and there are no other gods and Satan knows that so that's quite important and so they recognised that um, this power that Satan had that coming against uh, the Lord Jesus was just uh, of no effect and so they just pleaded don't torment us because we know what's coming 
put us into the swine. I think the Lord did it for the dramatic effect. What would it have been like to see 2,000 pigs running down a hill and going over the cliff and dying in the sea? That must have been horrendous to watch that. And then at the end of it all, in the stillness, there's the man clothed and in his right mind. Never seen like that before. And it just seemed to see the power of Christ is so evident that it just gives you a lift when you read this. The sad thing with this, I just close, was of course that the people of that area, when they analysed this, they had a choice of seeing and following the man who had this tremendous power and had seen what he could do with it and that all the power of Satan with his legions of evil spirits could not stop the power of God. And instead of rejoicing and seeing the victory and trying to understand the coming of Christ and what he would come for and what he was planning to do on behalf of the Godhead in heaven and to, reve and to re reveal the truth of the gospel, that all they saw was a loss of their income. All they saw was dangerous uh, precedent that had been set that... Um, these people who owned these pigs were angry and had lost a lot of money. The people who looked after them had lost a livelihood. And so therefore you see the God of this world coming in play and saying, well, listen, we don't want you here. If you're going to do things like that, uh, we're going to be very poor soon. So they rejected Christ for the God of this world, which is the, the God of money the God of uh, prominence, the God of career, and the God of the things that the world gives. And they send Jesus away. It's a sad picture at the end, that despite all of that, the picture of Jesus getting in the boat and leaving them. He'd shown them so much, and yet they rejected him. And then lastly was just the man, he wanted to go with Jesus. And uh, the teaching there, of course, quite clear. That the Lord has got something in mind for all of us sometimes. It's to evangelise at the other side of the lake. Sometimes that is what he wants. But most of us, it's stay at home and teach your family. Tell your family what's happened to you. That a change has happened. This guy's change was just so obvious and seen to everybody. And he had a tremendous opportunity of preaching the gospel. It's the same with us. You know, we were all bound to a lost eternity. Sometimes it's easy to forget that, isn't it? It's sometimes easy to forget that we were bound to hell. We were going to hell. And we were going to a place of torment that we forget that. And the Lord Jesus has saved us from that. And when we meet other people, is that not what should be mainly in our minds? That these people are going into a torment. These people are lost. As they not be hopeless, we have a responsibility to follow Jesus, yes, but not necessarily to go with them on the boat to the other side again, but just to stay where we are.
and teach about his power and the fact that he will be victorious because he's shown his power is greater than Satan's. And in the end, all things will come together according to his will. Shall we pray?